Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. My name is David Thomas and I'll be your host for tonight. Uh, as you see, we're, we're three people at the moment, but we are hoping that Scott comes on in a few minutes. Uh, he was supposed to be on, but he's running a bit late. Um, normally, I, I ask my guests first how they are, but I'm going to tell. I'm going to go with myself at first. I was stupid enough to fall off a mobile scaffolding this after uh, a few days ago, two meters high, backwards off it, and I. I've, I've now got to use my a, a relator that we had in the house to, to get around. Falling two metres, you think that's nothing. But it seemed to take a world's time to get to, to get down. And I was just thinking to myself all the way down, because I was on my backwards, and I was on my way down. I was thinking, David, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. And then clatter. And luckily, luckiest man in the world, I think, uh, the only thing that I've got is uh, my bottom, one, my left buttock is darker blue than the Scotland strip. So that was my sort of a thing from the week. But I'll go over it and we're not on to listen to my story. Mr David Pollock, I'll go for age before beauty. How are you? Normally I would... I would Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, no, thank you. Normally, I would I would offer to come over and kiss these things better, but on this one, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I can quite I can quite believe that, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, my Red Cross skills don't extend yeah. that far. <laughs> yeah, well, you're welcome. Good to be you're back. Welcome over any time, Davey, But um, we'll we'll leave that arse kissing. We'll leave that out of it. Yeah, uh, Andrew, how are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, it seems like the the Rangers injury bug has hit the podcast. I mean, we, we had Bill and his mystery machine crash uh, the other week, and now yeah, you've gone for the the Kmart roof uh, out for seven to ten days. Uh, what is yeah. the Mark Warburton line? The seven to ten days back to his full fitness. Um, I'm fine. Yeah, just kind of again mixed mixed the, the first couple of. This the first getting to the first Scotland game. It was like, yeah, I can get used to this international break. Don't need to see Rangers for a while. And then ever since uh, Philip uh, was announced, um, it was kind of like choking to get back to Ibrox. Uh, the game kind of come soon off. Yeah, well, I, I think everybody's got that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously go into more. Detail. I'm going to I'm going to hit you two with a. That's actually a pity Scott's not here either. I'm going to hit you with a, a a picture just now. And Andrew, I doubt very much whether you will get it, but I'm going to show a picture of a Rangers goalkeeper. And then I'm going to ask you, Dave. I think you will know. Andrew, I'll let you go first. I've got a picture of a man in the Rangers goalkeeper top and and goalkeeper gloves by the way for the people that haven't got vision. I, I yeah. do know that one. Uh, I, I don't know. Graham Roberts is. Uh, yeah, it's I a bit before my time, but I'm, I, I I do uh, because of, for most of my lifetime it was really only Alan McGregor. It was the, the Rangers goalie. You kind of go, well, who did we have before? And then you go close, and then you're starting to go back a good period. So yeah, I I, I kind of I, I know that one. That's uh, that's not. Yeah, it doesn't beat me that time. It's a well-known story, Dave. You you must be able to virtually tell the story. I think can you? Uh, also known as the 
Graham Roberts, also known as the choir master, <laughs> for conducting the sing along at the end of the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a good day. <clears throat> I mean, the the roar for when that second goal went in was uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, that was <clears throat> to come back, you know, with uh, nine men. <clears throat> we were ah uh, uh, we Durant and uh, I think it was uh, was it golf that got it over the line. I think it was. Uh, Goff got it over the line, yeah. Second goal. Ali, Ali McCoy's got the, the first goal. For the yeah. for the people that don't that, that don't know the story, it was that um Woods, Chris Woods and McAvenny, they had a little I think they called it a stramash in the days on the goal line virtually. And uh they both get sent off. And uh-huh. and, and uh Butcher, Terry Butcher, he got a yellow card in the instant because he came battering in as well. So we were down to 10 men and I think Celtic went went, went out two goals up at that time. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think Terry Terry Butcher, he got, he got a red card as well after that. So we were down to nine men and they were down to 10 men. 2-0 behind. Then steps up Mr. McCoyst, scores the first one, and I think it was only minutes to go. As you say, Durant crossed the ball and Big Guffey stuck the ball in the back of the net. Now, I think the, the roar was, they know everybody I've seen, the, the roar was one, probably one of the best I've ever heard at Ibrox. So, I think a fantastic uh, memory for, for, for people that, uh, that, that remember it and good, good for all the young ones to, to know about that. So I'm going to move on anyway to, to the actual pod now. There's Scott coming in. <laughs> Hi, Scott. Uh, well, how are you? All right, boys. Hi, not bad at all. How's, how's you going <laughs> on, all right? Okay. Aye, I, think that, I think that was a case of beating me up, Scotty. Aye, <laughs> it's not often. I'll tell you up for long. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the pod. Clemens' first week. Davey. How, do, how did it suit you? How would you think? Any ideas on it? Uh, I think we'll just be finding his feet. We'll just find out where the toilet is in the canteen and, you know, players' names, probably. You know, you'll know their names, I would think, but he's got the he's got the four walls, you know, <clears throat> the rest of the backroom staff, you know, so it's uh, it'll be a bit of a whirlwind for him. It's so, but I don't think, I don't expect to see many changes from uh, the the, the players available will be much more muchness. What I hope to see is a change in attitude, because uh, you can see from the, the last couple of games that confidence is on the floor. Although I'm never quite uh, sure why, you know, professional football players should suffer from a lack of confidence. You know, I think they should just uh, have a look at their wage packet and slip, uh, and that should uh, give them enough confidence to uh, to carry on. So. Anyway, I'm hoping it's it's going to certainly doors. We're not going to see any you know, road to Damascus type conversion with some of these guys. Some of them are shit, and they'll always be shit. So uh, it's just about getting a tune out of them until Philip can can put a stamp on on the squad and, and effectively on the team, and and bring us to a style of play that we uh, can recognise as Rangers. So. Yeah. One, Mc- uh, one of the things, Andrew, that that the Clement said, I don't have a magic wand 
<laughs> no, that was the name named the pod. Surely that's what we need, a magic wand. Can we not get him in touch with Harry Potter or something like that? Well, we almost like Graham Potter, never mind Harry Potter. Um, that's uh, the the magic wand, uh, a, a favourite of Frank Lampard as well in his time in management. Um, yeah, um, I, I was kind of, I was kind of had that kind of, oh, I don't know when he said that because of that kind of the Frank Lampard style of, oh, you know, I don't have a magic wand for results, but I mean, it, it's just, it's true. Yeah, there's there's no sugarcoating it that you know we've got work to do. He'll have his, he'll be making his money because it'll be difficult. Um, Based on what we've seen this season, uh, he's got an uphill battle. Um, but he, he spoke well, you know. It's it's a marathon; it's not a sprint, um, which is very true. Um, so you know, it, it's all about how quick he can adapt to it. it the, we'll see the difference being made. Um, that's that's how you we'll know how good the manager is. How quick he can turn it around from. I don't know. You'll see maybe a couple of individuals peaking in performances, or you'll start to see the team as a whole starting to. Gel. I say that because obviously we we really looked like we hadn't gelled all season so far. So it'd be interesting to see um, how quickly he stamps his authority on the team. Yeah, I was quite upbeat about Clemens uh, coming in, Clemon coming in as, as I suppose I've got to say it. And until I sort of I seen one of the, the the papers doing a starting lineup for for the weekend, and I thought, my God. Nothing's changed. It was still Lammers in the right wing, Desers uh, in centre forward, and Seema uh, on the left wing. And I thought, he's going to need more than a magic wand for this one. What do you think, Scott? You're on mute, you're on mute mate. Um, he's definitely going to ring a changes, 100%. Um, there's too much riding on this for him. It's his first match. But he made a good team. We are on a good roll just now. Um, Hibs are only going to be mugs when they play on Saturday. One hundred percent, they are flying just now. They can back by a two 0 deficit. You see the two goals away to Tynecastle, come back through two each. There's a wee bit of character about that squad just now. Um, so to me, he needs to keep going with a kind of similar lineup that Davis put out away to St Mum. It's probably going to come away with the exact same one because he's already said he's not going to change much. Um, one of the young boys needs to play kind of right wing for me. I was happy to see Fabrizio Romano tweet tonight that McCausland's in talks for a new deal. That's really, really important. Thing as it struck me, I know we're talking about lineups and stuff just now, but thing as it struck me with Davis taking in two matches was he's gave Lovelace and McCausland a chance and they've been on and produced something. Now, under the last two or three managers, we've, we've not seen any youth players. The youth players must have been sick of kicking the back door and trying to get in a first team for some minutes and they've proven McCausland Lovelace have proven in that one match what they can produce so that right wing slot is free um, but definitely not get anybody taking that berth up just now so you need to stick with youth on that side probably looking at the same kind of idea at the back again same sort of lineup. I would imagine I can't really maybe Canville's going to come back in I don't know how far Lawrence is there at so I, I can't see him doing many changes Anyway, well, I'm, I'm going to go off the, 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 the team subject for uh, for a while and we'll come back onto that before uh, later in the pod. Davey, um, Rangers uh, uh, Chief Executive, James Bygut, Bisgrove, Bisgrove, okay, as you want to say it, Bisgrove, sorry. Um, 
he came out and he backed Beale and he said that Michael Beale was not the only one involved in the, 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 the getting these players into the transfer and getting them into Ibrooks. He said that the whole um, the management team, the whole uh, uh, what's it called, the the the, the staff that the, the that brings them on, co uh, coaches and uh, um, I'm having a nightmare here at the moment. I've lost the word that I'm looking for, but there were other people involved. The scouts, sorry, that's that's the word I'm looking for. The scouts, the scouting team, everyone is involved in bringing these players in. Um, when you see the the, the class that that that's coming, he said he also said that we'll we've, we've still to see the best of them, and Clements will will. And I'll name I'll name the the, the players that that we did bring in. Just we all know it, but William Balligan, Jack Butland, Jose Sifientes, Danilo, Cyril Dessers, Kieran Dow, Sam Lammers, Abdila Sima, and John Sterling. Uh, is his, is it right backing up Bill or yeah? I mean these scout these, these scouts they, they they should be able to tell a decent player when they when they see one. Absolutely, they should. I mean that that is their job. They're drawing a salary on on their ability to to do the job. So uh, they they can't all be shite. So there's there's going to be some you know indifferent. There's going to be some. I mean, Jack Butland has been uh, already been you know a huge hit. Obviously, they've not all got to that level. But I think uh, Michael Beale's kind of inability to get uh, the best out of these guys is uh, was shown up. I just think we looked lost. I think Michael Beale, you know, in the various match days, you know, I think that the, the thing that, that sunk him for me was the was the old firm game when, you know, we had uh, 50,000 Rangers fans at Ibrox and we knew that exactly what the script needed to be. Uh, and we went out there and we uh, we sat off them and I just thought there was just a lack of ambition, a lack of confidence. You know, he was talking about a lack of confidence in the players. I think the coach was sending out a lack of confidence, you know, from the their approach to that game. And I think Michael Beale, you know, did a, himself a lot of damage that day, you know. And in the subsequent games, it didn't seem to be getting any better. There was no improvement. It seemed to be less and less confident. So, uh, but in terms of the, the signings, it's, it's always going to be a the, the, the background, uh, background staff, you know, the coaching, the scouting. There'll always be a sort of collective decision, if only you know to bloody share the blame when it all goes pear shaped. But which is why they're now you know somewhere else. So, but ultimately, Beal you know carries the can, which is why you know the, the headline read it wasn't Rangers sack backroom staff; it was Rangers sack Beal because he is the has the final say in all this. He carries the can. It's ultimately his responsibility. So he uh, paid the price for that. And I think the same will be true of, uh, of Philippe Clement, or we'll just call him Clement and stop all this Frenchy nonsense. So <laughs> I, I think the, he, he will be responsible so that the, the buck will stop with him, no doubt about it. So we kick off on Saturday, you know, with uh, reset. We, we need to uh, get behind the team, the support. As I said, you know, we called on the other day in the, the, the daily update, we, the Rangers support need to step up here. Get right behind them. Give these guys the best chance possible, because you know, obviously, with Michael Beale, the last few games, you know, I think the, the support had pretty much made up their mind on it, and there was no, uh, there was no long term in it, and and you could tell that from the atmosphere. 
but you know it's a it's a new regime. We need to get full fully behind the team, you know. And as as Clement said, and as I said the other morning, there's going to be a be a few bumps in the road, but we need to stay with them. So he's going to be at least one two transfer windows away from uh, you know putting his uh, his stamp on it. Uh, and, and until that happens, we just need to uh, bite our lip, bite our tongue, and uh, go along with it and support the guys one hundred percent. Andrew, was this not a bit of the, the board's own making and not bringing in a new uh, director of football? No, I mean, I don't know if they, they, they knew what they were really looking for, to be honest with you, because what, from what we kind of Bisgrove had said to us is that they, they had started the process, um, but then it went cold for about four months, and then all of a sudden, Bill, well, not all of a sudden, that's quite the opposite of what happened. Um, but Bill goes, um, certainly wasn't sudden. Um, and now we're asking for the a director of football for the new manager. It's um, it's weird how we've ended up in that situation. There was talk of Bill said he didn't want one, um, which kind of has been hinted at, but. I think it, it should have been a matter that the board should have pushed for. You know, it, it's it, we've had conversations about this over, like the start, going at the start of the summer window. Was do, you, do we need a director of football? I think they certainly can't do us any harm based on the fact that we gave the manager free reign, and that manager's then been sacked because he couldn't get a tune out of the players he signed. Um, I think you certainly can't get any worse with a director of football. Um, we've, maybe we've seen it with Ross Wilson, but we've also seen it with Mark Allen making some really good kind of intelligent signings. You know, it'll be interesting to see where we go with Clement being the manager. If he is, if we are going to opt for the director of football and and see what kind of style of player that, because I'm presuming Clement will have a say in terms of where we want to look. Whether that'll be that that'll be vetted by the director of football or the sporting director, whatever we're wanting to call it. Um, it'll be interesting because it was always going to be the talk of if it was going to be Muscat, would it be Moore, and would they, what market would they be looking in? Obviously, with Australians and playing in Japan, and that would have been the markets that we probably had the best knowledge of. Quite like um, Ange Postecoglou at Celtic, we've seen it happen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where where our, our director, whoever it will be. I know there's been a lot of talk about Amara Brighton. Um, Yes and no's across the board of it's happening, it's not happening. Um, whoever the director of football we're going to land on, um, they'll be interesting to see the kind of conversations that they'll need to have with the manager because they'll need to agree and find a common ground of what they want for the club. Because I'm sure the director of football who will be approached will have his own ideas of markets he'll want to look at, and then they'll need to see where they can align and have percent with himself and the manager. Yeah, well, that the, the story about the the Brighton manager was brought up. Uh, the director of football, sorry, was brought up by Fabrizio Romano, who is normally very, very good. He's normally got a lot of good information, and he said that the 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 director of football for Brighton is is it Sam Jewel Jewel's called the uh, that that he had been approached and that. That he was, he was, Rangers were going to talk to him anyway. They were, Rangers were busy with him. But I, I think it was, wasn't an hour later 
when Heart and Hand came away with a, a, st a statement that it was a load of rubbish and that Rangers weren't interested in him at all. I think you can look at that two ways. One way, the speed that Rangers acted with, they want to keep it quiet. Uh, maybe they've got more contenders for the job. Maybe they maybe they haven't. Uh, maybe he's the only contender for the job, but they don't want it out in public just just now, or it just didn't happen. Scott, taking the 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 Joe, I'm not sure. Is it Sam Joe? Can somebody correct me on that one? Um, Sam Joe. Um, given that he's in multi-million deals bringing in players for, for, for a, a lot more than he'll be dealing with with Rangers. Is he a, 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 an option, really, for Rangers? Or is it? do you think it's just a little rubbish? Well, firstly, I think the board have took their time to start putting his, his kind of plans in place. It should have been done months ago. Bill should have been told that, no, you're getting a director of a band and that's the end there. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think the market we're looking in is the market we need to look in because that's a that's a promotion to these guys down south. If you look at uh, Brentford's scouting system, Brighton's scouting system, they bring in players for a low fee, sell them on for a bigger fee, and we're offering them a promotion and experience at a massive club that's in European football every single stage of the season. So I think where we're looking for a director of football is good. I think we're looking in the right places, going and pinching one of these guys for these... Uh, Smaller clubs in England, if you want to call them that. Um, but in terms of timing it or timing it or kind of stinks, to be honest with you, because if, if Clement doesn't get after a flyer, then the pressure's going to be on the board this time as well as the manager. It's going to be complete and utter chaos, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I think, I think we've all seen over the, the last while that doing everything, contractual work and all the paperwork and... and and also putting a team out in the field, I think it's far too much for one man. I was against a director of football, firstly, I must admit, until I realised how much work there was actually done in it. And they're not just uh, looking for players. They're obviously they're, they're in control of the scouting department. They're in control of the academy. They're in, in control of virtually everything. And that is just too much for one man. One other thing that came up, Dave, was that the supporters have far too much power and uh, that re virtually there was the supporters that, that got Van Bronckhurst the, the sack and now it was the supporters that got Beal the sack what do you, do you think that the supporters do have too much power? Uh, I think no the, the supporters are ultimately the biggest uh, source of funding for the club and uh, I think it's right that the supporters you know have a say in, in, in these things but uh, the last few weeks at Ibrox and and in uh, you know the tail end of Gio's tenure, you know, I, I think there is a case, you know, where we uh, we need to be a bit more. I don't know. We need to be a bit far sighted, you know, take the long term view because I think you know in, in terms of uh, it got to the point where Beal it was it was, it was a, an act of mercy. You know, to get Beal out the door, and, and and because the atmosphere had become so toxic, and there was a, there was a wee hint of that, you know, with uh, with Gio, we never quite got there with uh, <clears throat> with Gerard because uh, he just dumped buggered off. But I, I don't think we would have got there with Gerard because I think he had a bit of credit in the bank, you know, with obviously lifting fifty five, which was absolutely enormous. And and, and with Gio, you'd think you know, getting us to the Europa League final would have been a uh, 
would have carried a bit more weight than, than what it did eventually. So, uh, no, I think Michael Beale, the, the supporters had it, but there is a, I, I think there is a case that we should maybe uh, get behind the team a wee bit more. I mean, I'm all for criticism, you know, and after the game, but, you know, during the game and booing individual players, that's not for me, I'm afraid. Not for me. But, but in, in terms of, you know, the uh, do we need a director of football or not? Well, what we should be looking at is, is, a, is a, a structure that, that reflects modern day football and have a director of football in place and a backroom staff, you know, recruiting in an academy. But the whole thing kind of hangs together. And, and you know, in the, each of the last three years at this time of the year, we've found ourselves looking for a new manager. So to, to err is human, but to err, err, err is, is, is insanity. So I think we should, Bisgrove and, and John Bennett need to have a look at themselves and say, you know, have we put in place the best structure for, for the long-term benefit of the team and the, and the club in, in general? So if we need a director of football, then he probably should have, you know, arrived prior to the manager because he would have had a large say in, in, in who that manager should be. And, and how they how they could work together. So I think that they would very be very much seen as a double act. You know, the director of football almost recruited together to find out, you know, can these guys work together? So sometimes it's just about, about an individual chemistry in terms of whether they can click or not and get the whole thing to sing. But I, I would question the, the, the overall structure for, you know, for the last couple of years when, you know, we're going through managers. Something is fundamentally wrong. You know, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst is a very experienced manager and coach, gone. Steven Gerrard walked. Michael Beale, not very experienced, but, you know, uh, you know, lots of potential, lots of promise and, and was saying all the right things, gone. And now we're, we're, we're on to uh, Philippe Clement and we'll see how that goes. But I think it's it's more than the, the, the head coach itself is, is, is the problem here. There's, a, there's an overall structure. I just hope Bisgrove, and John Bennett have the wisdom to, to take, you know, some experienced advice on, on what the ideal structure of the club would be and, and try and nudge us towards what that ought to be. And if that includes a director of football, then uh, we should get one in as, as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, I just want to to, to thank uh, Cami for gifted five gallant few Rangers podcast memberships. Thanks very much for that, Cami. Um. Yeah, at the moment we're Biz Grove and the board are building up these trans transparency supporters groups. Andrew, is this just a way of trying to sort of a shut shut the crowd the, the 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 supporters out? Is it the 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 major the major support that they can say, oh, we're working with this group and we're working with that group, so you the supporters will need to get in touch with them. Is it just a way of, of making a sort of a, a mattress between the board and the supporters? Well, it can definitely be construed that way if if we don't then go and act upon what fans are bringing up at these kind of meetings of such. Um, you know, it's nice to say, oh, we are having those meetings, but if nothing come of them, then yeah, definitely. It does look like we're just playing up to the, the press by saying, yeah, no, we speak to, we speak to our, our fans and we have meetings, you know, Check check the records. We've done it three times because they're not they're not short of putting it out there that oh it's coming up. Get your get your applications in and stuff like that. Um, it definitely well, 
it will be because you know we're, we're very vocal support base you know we we speak our mind we speak for what we want um which is which is i think it's right nowadays because we, we've had in the past where we've just it's been kicked down the road um the safe standing this year was kind of one of the main things that the crowd have been calling for recently uh, the, the singing section as well um so you know it's it's these things like that that are, are happening this year that we've been calling for, especially the Union Bears, they've been wanting something like that in place for ages. Um, and that comes off the back of speaking to officials, speaking to supporters and, and meeting in the middle for what we can do, what we can't do. Um, so I think it can be positive. It, it definitely gives you an opportunity to to get, meet in the middle with the support. Because for a while it was like this, the club's not listening to us. The club doesn't, it just doesn't want to listen to us. But it looks like, at least it looks like for now, and we'll see the evidence of it, that we're starting to make the connection again, which is, every you need that at every club, that's football. The supporters are the main thing behind the club. If there's no supporters, the club doesn't run. You know, that's, that's, that's as it always has been, the support is the main thing. And it's, it's good. I, I want it to continue. Um, but as I said, if, if we're not making any ground and it's just shown, it's just for show, then what's the point? Well, I'm going. I'm going to be honest with you. I I think at the moment the the words coming out of Ibrox are very very pleasing, and I'll 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 be honest with you as I said at the before that the ordinary supporters' questions weren't getting answered on the the nights of these meetings. I was totally wrong, and I get pulled up by Rangers for saying it. So Rangers Rangers representatives do listen to these podcasts. Um, and I've spoke to I've, I've spoke to the, the the supporters representative on the board, Marshall, as you call him. I, I spoke to him, and I was totally wrong in saying that. And the the words that that Bygrove has been saying at the at the last time, talking about supporters having singing uh, sections and having standing uh, sections, then safe standing sections. Then I, I think. It's looking good at the moment, and I think if we can get everything in place, then the the match day experience will be will be far far better. Scott, quite a few people have been coming out on the, in the the all different press reports and saying that we need a Scott and quite and Clamont said it himself. Uh, we need a, a Scottish influence in the, the the dressing room or in the coaching staff. Uh, I know McCann has been named as a as a a, a, a chance hit. Um, the even Barry Ferguson has been named. Do you, can you think of anyone that's uh, that, that that would be good for the job? Do you think McCann would be a good? Uh... Nah, not really. No, I don't think Neil McCann. McCann can talk a good game in Rangers TV, but um, he can definitely speak about football. There's, there's no doubt about that. But in terms of experience and working with players and uh, how much of that he's got is questionable. Same with Barry Ferguson. It's questionable with him as well. I mean, he's, he's worked lower leagues. For, he's been in a, a, manage, a managerial capacity. Um, I'm a big cheerleader for Alex Ray, as I says before. I know Alex Ray's um, he's been there and done it in terms of he's been sacked for well, nearly every job he's been in, but at the same time, he's also 
got the experience of working at a decent club level and he's only coming in as a coach. He's not coming in as a number one guy. He's not he's not going to have the final decision, so to speak. Um, so that would be my choice. I what I like about come on is he's come out and said that if he's got if he's if he was at the team that the interim team that's already in place, as the guy Gilmar, Stevie Smith, Davis and Alec Ray, if he feels if that's a good gel, then he's just going to keep it. He says he's going to do whatever's best for the club. So I'm quite optimistic on that front. Um, in terms of match experience, I think the board need to focus on fixing what's going on in the park first before they, they start looking on to everything else they're trying to do out with. If they get a winning team in the park, that's going to fix everybody's match experience to begin with. Um, so that's, that's, that's my button on both points, David. Davey, have you any names that you would like to see entering the coaching staff? I'll ask you that first. I've got another question for you. No, I, I think there's a few names you could add to the list. You know, Kevin Thompson being one. You know, something that, uh, you know, we put in a structure which will exist for, you know, maybe the, the full three and a half years of, of his contract and maybe even beyond that if we get if we get it right. Because it's, as Scott has said, it's results driven, you know, so... If we get the results, you know, that Clemont will be here in three and a half years, maybe, you know, someone else will step in and take him on if he if he, if he does well enough. So, but I think it's important that we get someone in there who does know the league, Scottish football. And, you know, I, I would not be averse to Barry Ferguson arriving because Barry was a leader on the on the team, you know, quite visibly a leader. And and, and I think if he was uh, that, that leader and 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 voicing, you know, that that level, that standard on the training ground to bring it to the match day, then uh, I, I think that's something that would be absolutely required. So, uh, coaching, I mean, these guys are professional football players. How much is it you're going to coach them? How, how much left of coaching is there in someone who's 25, 26, they're already a professional football player on a three or four year contract, and we bring in a coach to coach these players? Well, it's we're not really coaching them football. We're coaching them, you know, in terms of playing together. But the, the standard of player probably is what it is. You know, you're probably not, you know, improve these players quite at the margin at best. But what you can change is is their attitude and, and their approach and you know that and, and understanding exactly who they're playing for, you know, and, and so that we don't get excuses, you know, that I'm, they're going out there and they're playing, there's a lack of confidence, you know. And, the heads are down and they're shirking responsibility when everyone hides, which is what we accused, you know, the, the team against Liverpool of doing when, you know, we, we conceded a few goals and they just shit themselves. And, you know, we've seen that a couple of times with Michael Beale's sides, you know, the PSV game, Aberdeen, when you're going in against, you know, a team who are fucking mediocre at best and we fold like a, like a pack of cards. So, uh are we going to get a coach in to make them, you know, run faster? Hopefully, you know, be a better player, have a better touch in the ball. I think they pretty much bring that. So, uh, I think it's it's important that we get a team that gets, you know, the correct atmosphere, the correct attitude, and get the team to, you know, with the correct level of confidence and belief in themselves and a system that they they they, they believe in onto the pitch. So it's it's a number of people that are involved in this. It's not just the manager. Which is why I go back to saying that you know we need a need an overarching strategy here as to how how to succeed, and uh, you know this time of the year, the last three years we've you know we've had to recruit a manager at this time of the year, 
And that just tells you that it's, it's systematically fucked. So we, we need to get off this wee uh, treadmill that we're on in terms of replacing the manager every year. So we need something far long term, something that's wider than the, the, the head coach. You know, there's a number of people sharing responsibility. <clears throat> and we uh, we then have, have the patience as a support to actually give the guy enough time to see it through and bring the improvements through. Obviously, we, we have to be confident that it's the correct guy, much in the same way as it was with Gerard, because Gerard wasn't an instant success. But eventually, you know, when in the third season came, he eventually delivered. So maybe we have to have a look at ourselves. And I'm hoping that the Rangers support get behind the team on Saturday, because it's, uh, I mean, talking about the, the, the fan engagement and things, I would hope that, you know, that we could support the team during the 90 minutes and then any grumps and groans that we have, we can take to James Bisgrove, you know, kind of offline rather than on and match day when everybody boos at the final whistle. That, that That's not a, that's not a winning strategy for me. So that's my, my Tom's worth. Part of the, the new strategy everybody's been talking about, Andrew, is that, we should have a, a Scottish, not only Scottish people in the, the the coaching staff, but we should have a backbone of players that are Scottish. Obviously, the McCausland getting a contract today is, is it's well, he's Northern Irish, really, but I mean, comes from the Rangers Academy. Um, we need a backbone of of Scottish people, uh, uh, Scottish players. How do you, I mean, I'm thinking of Lewis Ferguson. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, is it Doig or what, what, the young boy? Hickey, for, they used to play for Hearts. But they're all disappearing into Italy and, and England and God knows where. Uh, should we be looking at these, these, these young Scottish players and picking them up in Scotland and, and bringing them into the team and getting a backbone of Scottish players that understand the Scottish game have got this the passion and the fight for Scottish games? I don't think it's a question for the manager of the board. I think it's a question for the supporters because like, you've got Lauren Shankland who's a, a scores barrel loads here and you still have a part of the fan base that say, no, he's not good enough. You know, we said that we said at the time, you know, like, this is this is not a new thing. Your Ferguson's, your Doig's, your Max Johnson, you know, it's it's happened all before. We don't pounce on a player. He goes down south. He does what we expected he would do, and he's now worth twenty five million. And at that point, you give up because there's no chance you get him. It's it's nothing's new here. Um, it, if I want, if you want to do that, then we need to buy in as a support and back these Scottish players. I mean, at the moment, our Scottish players consist of what Ryan Jack, Scott Wright, you know, and senior players. You know, we've not. I don't want to say we're not good brilliant team, but look at our kind of. Who would you Who would you see our game changers in our team now? Cantwell, English, Raskin, Belgian, Danilo, Brazilian. Our captain's English. A longer, longest reigning centre back is English. A goalkeeper's English. You know, if you want, if if we don't want to spend for the Scottish players that are doing well in our league, then it has to come from the academy, and that's incredibly difficult. Because we're actually doing it well this season with Lowry. I think we did brilliantly with him, sending him out to a club who will <laughs> will be 
play a style that are we attacking to win because we want they want to challenge up the top of the table. He's doing he's doing well. He's really setting himself as in the, in the kind of don't forget about me. I'm doing master. I'm doing my duty to come back in the summer and and look and look to kick on. That's what we want for the youth players at least. But if you want to start buying from Scottish teams, then I'm going to need to buy into it, and that's going to be harder than. Although the Scottish team will want a nice price off of us because you know we have the money in our league, it's going to be more difficult for the support to buy into it. I think. Yeah, but I mean, what we're talking, we're probably talking about three million for Lewis Ferguson, even though, even when he when he was at Aberdeen, uh, is is that a lot of money when you think you can uh, at least double it in in a, in a few years and sell him down to England or as as it happened now to Italy? Can I just step in there? We could have had Lewis Ferguson from Hamilton Aki's buttons. Burnley turned down Burnley for a million. So the, the scouting system, you know, we should have identified him at that point and says this is a this is a bet worth taking. You know, and somehow we, we didn't manage it. So something failed there. You know, and, and we're now talking about, you know, going to get Lewis Ferguson now costs us millions and millions of pounds. That's, that's insane. So the, the scouting system's failing us, you know, and, and with other Scottish players, any Scottish player who hasn't got come across Rangers books and, you know, at least the analysis table, you know, and then heads south or heads abroad, we've failed. We should be identifying these guys and, and, and making, a, you know, having a grown up conversation as to whether these guys are good enough to play for Rangers and, and get, them into, get them into the team, obviously. There's an element of risk in all that, but there's an element of risk, in, as, as we've saw in the summer, of, of signing you know a whole load of seasoned campaigners who are just not that very good. So, I mean, that that's one for me. I mean, this is a guy who would have uh, crawled on his hands and knees to get to Ibrox. He's playing with Hamilton Ackies. He's then, you know, move of a transfer to Aberdeen, and and we let that slip by. So I would have to say that the scouting system just ain't fit for purpose. So Ferguson falls into the category that we've seen. Unfortunately, well, he's been in the Rangers Academy. We've deemed him not good enough. He's went somewhere, applied his trade, did everything he would need to be to be a professional, and got a big move. It happened. Greg Taylor was a Rangers player. He was a Rangers Academy player. Left, yeah. went to Kelly, made his name, went to Celtic. Rangers season take a hold up to. Yeah, it's it's not the first time we've seen Rangers Academy players get let go, and then go somewhere else and do to do this what they probably were wanting to live up to. I would have to question the whole reason for having an academy. What is the purpose of it? That's the, oh, Davey, this, is, Davey, this is why I was saying it to begin the show. Like, bringing guys like McCausland and Lovelace in for that one match. And we've seen more of them two young boys, in my opinion, than we've seen all season. Hmm. So, unless the boys are actually going to get a chance, there's no point in having the system, is there? Really? If, if you're not going to pick them in and give them a chance, then what, what, what the hell's the point? Nathan Parson has been uh, yeah. the only one who's come yeah. through there. In, in recent in years, like seven years, come through here, and they've actually sold for some money. And I mean, so, see when you're talking about like, Lewis Ferguson and stuff, I think that's where Ross Wilson seen the gaps last season in a, in a cherry picked like Bailey Rice for Motherwell, Archie Stevens for Everton. He's been out and picked all these boys up, all the best Scottish young talent to put in the academy. But my main worry is. That we're not going to get to see these boys on the park. Yeah, no, they, they, I, I you know what I mean. That. They could be good enough. They, they probably are good enough, as McCausland and Lovelace have proven. 
but they're not well, going to get a chance. They probably are good enough, Scott, but I think are the Rangers fans patient enough? Because but if, know, it's a, but if it's a young boy, you automatically get him a chance. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you know he's a young lad trying his trade and all the rest of it. You will up to a point, you know, so you'll get the first uh, two or three games, three or four games, but is that going to be sufficient? Sometimes it'll take six months, sometimes it'll take a year, so they'll all develop at different rates. But but to me, me, what we're not doing is, see, we were winning 4 0 at home to Livingston in the Cup, for example. We're not bringing Bailey Rice, we're bringing Bailey Rice on with two minutes to go. What use is that? Bring him in and give him the last half an hour. Bringing a player on for two minutes or three minutes, oh, and unless you want to waste time, I can understand if you want to waste time, you bring a player on uh, for, for two minutes. But see if see if your Glasgow Rangers, but see if your Glasgow Rangers, we keep see if your Glasgow Rangers, what we keep saying we are, then we should be beating teams two three nil at home. What your likes are your Livingstons, your Ross Counties, and that's when these young boys should get a chance to come in and strut their stuff, show what they've got, be a wee bit arrogant in the ball, because we're better. That's the whole point of the academy, that's the whole point of the first team setup. But they're not, they're not getting utilised, they're not getting used, and I hope come on fixes that, I really do. Well, Barry he Ferguson would... in, the, in the team at 19, he was playing Champions aye, League 100%, football. 100%, aye. So, aye, 100%. I, mean, I, mean, I really don't get the age thing, that's just... I you know. I totally agree. Yeah, well, I mean, even Marco van Basten was 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 really young when he. I mean, most of these Dutch players that came through were, were really young when they when they when they got. A, um, I think um, we'll move on to the game, guys, and against Hibs and, and start talking about the team. I'm all sort of looking at the time. Uh, I, or Davey, sorry, I'll move on to you. Yeah, as I said earlier in the pod. When I seen the the the, the team, I, I was really upbeat. New manager, new this, new that, and then I then I saw Tavernier, Golson, Suta, Borna Barisic, and then uh, Lammers, uh, Raskin, <laughs> Sima, Dessers up front, and I thought, oh my God, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. And what do you think? Do you think? Do you think that? Clement can get a tune out of these players or do you think that he needs to bring in some some new players? Obviously, it needs to be youth players or or is there someone in, in the, the, the team that can make that difference? No, I, I think he'll go with the the, the, the squad which Michael Beale has been using. There's, there's not going to be you know changes, but I'm hoping as Scott has identified you know that McCausland, Bailey Rice, you know, Lovelace will feature in the team and will feature on the pitch. And, you know, we, and that shouldn't have to be when we're 2-3-0 and three nil up, you know, when we, we need to see how these guys, can, you know, are in a genuine contest, you know, when the game's 0-0 nil nil and what their contribution is as to whether we can assess, you know, their long-term survivability at, at Rangers. So, it's going to and getting that balance right is, is, is probably the trick. But we, we haven't, we've tried it, we, you know, the, the summer signings and we look a worse team than last year. So it's not going to do any harm, you know, to give uh, Lovelace a, a run up front. Would anyone be uh, manning the barricades if we seen Zach Lovelace in front of Dessers? No. So maybe the, the manager needs to have a bit of courage. Obviously, the danger is the damage that you do because if, if he doesn't hit the ground running and you know doesn't fire in all cylinders straight away, and it takes a few weeks for him to you know to adjust to the speed of it, you know the tempo, you know, and just the, the, the whole experience of being a first team player at Rangers. 
So it's and that will have to be managed player to player. So that they all they all react quite a bit differently to that. But uh, certainly that's where the he has to be brave. And I think he'll have he'll have a, a some latitude. I would say with the support in terms of uh, mixing it up in terms of the squad because we've seen you know what the what the guys have got is in terms of performances. So, but we uh, we can't take too many risks because we'll put the, we we didn't lose any more uh, points in the league, and we need to win the league cup, and uh, we've also got the European campaign to hopefully try and qualify out of that, and, and you know, even even if it's just for the club funds, and nothing else. So he's got uh, a number of things to consider, but we'll see. We'll get an idea on Saturday. From how the team play, not necessarily the players on the pitch because they are what they are, but we'll see if they can uh, if he, he can manage to get into their heads and convince them that they're actually good players and can play that way. Yeah, there's a, an argument uh, going on there that um, I see uh, if I can get it. Whammers up front instead of Dessers. If only Danilo isn't fit. Well, I've seen Danilo. He's, he's been training. He's, he's, he, he looks like the Lone Ranger, I must admit, uh, with one of these masks on. I, I think Danilo will be will be fit. What would you go for, Andrew? What's your, what would be your choice in this one? Um, well, see, to be honest, it's... I've said this a few times recently in, in pods, um, and it sounds really like I've deflected the question, but it, it, it's no true words can be said. Whoever the manager thinks he can trust in this first week is the players he should be sticking in the team. It, I can say to you, oh, I think Dino has been brilliant this season, or I think Lammers has been brilliant, or I know that's an interesting example because I don't think many people have said that they think Lammers has been brilliant this season, but it's all right us saying that such and such is brilliant. If the manager goes into training and sees, although that somebody's up and down the park on a Saturday at Ibrox, taking on players left, right, and centre, but if they're not, if they're no at training, if they're no wanting to, you know, keep being the best in training every week, then you've got no right to be in starting eleven as much as somebody who maybe is on the bench but working their socks off in training every week. If you're on the bench, you're working your socks off in training. You want to be at the club. You want to play games. That's something that we want to see. We want to play, see the players in the park who are up for the game, up for getting goals or assists, contributing to the team and getting three points in the ball. That's the main thing. So if he goes and changes all 11 from St Mirren, he must be seeing something, and I'll back the manager. If he doesn't make any changes... A back commander, it's his opinion and what he sees. He's got the he's got a fresh set of eyes on it. Whereas Bill, although he said he wouldn't have friends, definitely still had friends. Whoever he sees is his his eleven for the game at the weekend. I'll back because this is this as he said, fresh slate. Everybody's got a chance to impress, so they should all be working their socks off if they want to play on Saturday. Yeah, when the when the claimants. Uh... Interview was on at the, the beginning of the week. He was asked about Dessers. He said Dessers played under you in Belgium. And his, his answer was, well, he actually played better in Holland for Feyenoord. So he didn't seem very impressed with Dessers at that time. Scott, what do you think? Is there a, a, 
a question that we could put Seema up front? Mm, potentially, aye. Potentially. Um, going through what I went through on Sunday night, I think the manager's going to go with a 4-4-2, but it'll look more like a 4-2-4. Um, I think you're going to see Butler and Tav, Colton, Suter, Ridvan. Um, central midfield is up for debate. Potentially John Lawrence. I don't think Cantwell... I don't think Cantwell will be fit. He's only been in training for a, for a week, hasn't he? So I doubt if Cantwell will be fit. He might be able to come on, but I doubt he'll be fit mm. for 90 minutes. Um, midfield is, is literally a lottery. We're saying they're midfielders just now. It's, um, I wouldn't be putting Cantwell in there anyway, because I think you need... Um, I think he'd probably go with a 6 and an 8. So Sifuentes and Lundstrom or Sifuentes and somebody. Um... And then McCausland on one side. And then you're looking at Seema on the other. And probably Danilo and Dessers up front for, for me. It's not what I want. It's not what I want. What I want them, I want them to come in. I want to see John Lee Efeco play left side of centre half. I want to see Bailey Rice in midfield. McCausland on the wing. And putting our young boy up front with Danilo. I want him to rip it up. But he's obviously says in his press conference that he's not going to do that. So perfectly understandable. Perfectly understandable. But I don't trust the squad as it is to go and get a result. So it's hard to kinda it's hard to kinda put a judgment on it because we're no proven winners right now, if that makes any sense. We've no we can't if I trusted eleven out that we know like they'll go and get a job done against Hibs because the likes of Sam Lammers and Tessers only really cutting the mustard, but they were they were the only really available players at the minute. Um so it's basically up for debate. I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to make many changes. I think it will stick with McCausland on one of the wings. Um, but I think it's... I, I, I just hope to see a, an identity going forward. I hope to see what he's going to do. If he's going to build way back, how's he going to build way back? How's it going to transition? How's it going to... Are we going to press? Are we going to play a high line? You know, all that kind of stuff. Because we're centre-halves to me on the... Golden and Suter are only quick enough to play a high line. So if we... If they, somebody gets a player in behind, well, especially like your lights are Martin Boyle, then you're in trouble. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do. I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to do. As long as we come away with three points and settle down, I'm happy, Camper. Yeah. Davey, I bring up the captain's question <laughs> for you. What, who, who do you think? I think he's obviously made it clear that he's, he's not going to drop Tavernier. Um, are, you, are you in the, the Tavernier camp or are you in the... the, the, the Remove him from captaincy. I no, I I would. Uh, <clears throat> he's going to have to stick with Tav. So in the short term, at least, <clears throat> I don't think he would make a decision like that. You know, in the first week in the job, you'll see. You know, the mood around the, the the training ground, the mood in the changing rooms, the the mood on the pitch, the reaction to the results. So and and take a view as to whether Tav's fit to be captain or not. You know, so we. Uh, I don't think there's, there's going to be any change. Dav will be captain Saturday and he will be captain for the foreseeable future. So, you know, my opinion, you know, such as it is, is almost irrelevant as to whether Tav will be captain. Until, you know, uh, Clement makes up his mind, you know, and sees a, a reason and, and, and has a, identified a, a better candidate to be captain. Is there a better candidate in our current squad to be captain? Who is it? So Tav's no longer captain. Who is going to be the captain? 
what what David can I cut in? What I will say is yeah. we've got players in that squad that have captained teams prior to coming to us. Barisic was captain. Of, I'm not suggesting any of these players right before I get leaked on. Barisic was captain of Aussie um, Campbell's been captain of Norwich. Jack was captain at Aberdeen. Um, who else forgot? Suter was at Hearts, was he not? Suter was a captain at Hearts. You've got that's that's what Rangers do. We, we sign all these players because we think if we sign a, a team's captain, they're obviously big enough and bold enough to come and play for Rangers. So there is. And there is people with a potential in that squad. For me, it's Butland all year long. That, that was the only guy. Aye, 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 but he's not going to change it. It's tough. He's not going to change yeah. it. It's not going to be in the short Maybe in the longer term, he will. He's obviously aye, going aye. to make changes in, in the squad. So, And I think he'll be looking to stamp you know, his, his, his changes on the team. And I think uh, Tav's captaincy may, may be a casualty of that. So what we'll, we'll wait and see is, as we identified at the start, he's not going to bring along a magic wand, you know, mm-hmm. wave it in the air, and then, you know, hips will fold. We'll run in four, and everyone will go home, skipping out the door. Yippee, normal service has been resumed. I mean, I think the test for us on Saturday will be, you know, if Hibs score the first goal, that will be an interesting, yep. uh, you know, reaction as to what, what the support do then. Do we just say, you know, fucking... Sack the board, and you know, to, be, to go back to the you no, know, no, this is great, this is no good enough, you know. So, we really, we've got a part to play as well, and I think we need to uh, we need to stick by these guys, give them a chance. So, that's all I can hope for on Saturday. Andrew, I'll go on to my favorite subject now. Um, I've, I've put on in the daily news this morning lies, damn lies, and statistics. And it's about John Lundstrom, obviously. Um, he's in the top 100 players in the, in the world. He has a, a, a an average pass rate of 71 passes per game and 90.2 are on target. So that makes him up, up with the likes of uh, the best the best players in the world. Uh, I know what I think about that. Statistics, you can you can do it. If every pass is sideways, backwards, back to the keeper, back, I think 90% is actually quite low. What do you think? Well, that's the thing about statistics in football. You need, you need to dig deeper because a number can mean anything, you know. As you've said, that's successful passes. It doesn't tell you where they're going. That it's not forward passes, it's not, you know, it's not passes in behind, it's just passes, it's labelled as passes. Successful is nice, that's good, that's a nice stat to have, but again, making a successful pass that's 30 yards in behind, that then plays your striker in one-on-one, compared to passing it to a centre-half, taking the ball off him, and then passing it back to him again. Two passes from the same distance as I am to the screen to my centre-back, that's maybe a hundred percent pass succession, but does it mean anything? So I, that's the whole thing of the data driven in, in sports. And, and I know that's something that we kind of toyed about and, and looked at um, a data analysis and data driven um, recruitment plan and stuff like that. It's that can work if you have the right guys to then look at those numbers and analyze them further. You know. Um, a base person, someone that has no football knowledge, can look at a stat like that and go, "Monster must be like 
Real Madrid sentiment or Luka Modric, you know. But taking in game footage, looking at the phases of play in which these passes come from, that's the difference between someone that is an amateur looking at stats and someone who makes big money about it, you know. It, it, it works. It has worked. But these guys that make it work are the real talent. That's the main thing. It's Stats can be brilliant. It's some of the things I've been looking at more recently, stats can be superb. And it can lead to you revolutionising your recruitment or the way you, the way you see phases of play as a tactician. But it takes more time than just searching up on, on I don't know, like, or, like, I, I, there's a whole, there's whole like, websites that make their money off of giving you in more detail than just looking at a sheet of paper. Yeah, so I think it's a lot of these things are just clickbait to get you clicking uh, on on the, the the website. Scott Jack Butland to Birmingham City. Wayne Rooney wants him. Rangers, well, I think Clement said today that, well, if they want him, then they'll need to come out with a, a hell of a lot of money. What do you think? Do you think uh, there's a chance that Butland will go? No, I can't see it, David. Really, really can't see it. Don't get me wrong, if Birmingham come in with 10, 15 million, the guy's away. If he wants to go, that is, then he's away. I think Jack Butland's enjoying the club a wee bit too much. He's enjoying being a senior figure in the dressing room, he's enjoying being a fan's favourite, he's he's relishing the challenge of being a ranger, so I don't think he moves a goer, but if in some small chance it was to happen, then I'd have full, full faith in McCrory to step up and take his jersey, um, implement a youth, put a boy in, but nah, I, I can't see Butland leaving any time soon, I think, I think he's here for a duration, to be really honest with you. I think he's committed. He certainly appears committed to me anyway. Well, I, I don't know. I think I think if Bill would have stayed, it might have been quite different because it must have been quite frustrating for him to be <laughs> to, to be the last man in that in that team. But um, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't see see but one. Nothing like that. I don't think. In any any interest, Dave Hugues, would you think you think there'll be anything in that? No, I think it's uh, just about. Summed up, you know, because we'll find we'll find out who Jack Butland is if he was to, uh, you know, obviously I think Birmingham would be in a position to at least match his money here. It's just whether they would, uh, if their ambition is, is they, they want them and they come up with the money. But like Scott says, if they come up with enough money, then uh, and, and he's willing to go, obviously we can't push him out the door. We could persuade him, threaten him, I suppose. Yeah, uh, but. I think if they come up with enough money, he would be, he would go, but it would be, have to be a serious amount of dough because uh, obviously Jack Butland has been uh, just seeing. It's been a shining light so far. You know, alternative captains, then Jack Butland would probably be the would be the prime candidate of the current squad because you know he does uh, make his feelings known on, on the pitch, and you can see he is he's a big character in the dressing room, as Scott says. So no. Uh, I, I really don't see that one flying. He's he's seen this and, as well. To be honest, he's been think... there and done that already. He's been yeah, the championship he... goalie. You know that's you know he, he went to Man United and they could have stayed and sat on the bench and made a lot of money. I don't see him then giving up an opportunity which he he wanted and relished instead of sitting on the bench and making a lot of money, being a number one and being a starter for a big club. 
I don't see him then within six months going, I'll go to the championship, you know. I think if Jack Butland was to leave, it will be for, you know, will be to the English Premiership, will be for a far bigger club than Birmingham. I think, I mean, see if he was to go, it would only be because he's maybe mates with Wayne Rooney or, and he sees Birmingham as potentially in maybe one or two years getting him back into England set up. If they could dangle that carrot in front of him, then it would maybe sway him, but I can't. I don't think it's a go up, to be perfectly honest with you. I think it's just clickbait shape. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't see him coming. They came for, for Champions League in Europe, and I think the chances at Birmingham are going to be in Europe in the next few years were pretty, pretty slim. I don't know. I, I think, I know, I know you've seen it, Andrew, because you put it up. The, the tackle by Bongani Zungu today that's been flashing around the, the whole of internet. Uh, there's been cries to ban him. Uh, I'm afraid. I, I think it's a a, a a tackle that that should have should have more than one or two game ban. What do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's you'll see it as a, a horror challenge. I'd, I'd be surprised if you know ex Rangers star commits horrible foul and you know this the media dross that you see. X Ranger star my backside. Um, I, yes, it's yeah. Rangers' fault. Yeah, I, it's always, it's always something. They need to get Rangers in the head. Blame like, the Rangers. Glasgow club. I Glasgow club commit a Masonic referee signs off X Ranger. it's something like you know what it's like with the media up here. I know. It was a horror challenge. There's no beating about the bush. He, he's went over the ball and he's caught him on the ankle and it looks like he snapped his leg. I think ALS and a, a broken bone there is a miracle. Um, it certainly looked like it was similar to the, the one in the Prem where he, he's just holding his, his leg and it's just no wanting to stay as, as, as one bone. I'm certain that's not how they're supposed to work, uh, you know, your, your bones. Um I, I'd suppose that maybe that was the end of Zungu's Rangers energies uh, permitting onto the player, giving him a nice long-term injury um, to deal with. So I, I'd be surprised if he's not got a, another retrospective ban on top of the red cards that he got for that one. That was, uh, I think, it, the, mad, the thing the, the thing that's sad about it is I think it was one of the the guy was almost like an international, a well-capped international for South Africa as well. That he's probably yeah, in. Uh, he's he's ended the career of at least because I think he's I don't think he was a young lad I think he was a, wet, a kind of veteran um, and uh, I'd be surprised if he if he continues on in the sport after that one it was a really sore one. It was Bernard Parker and he had seventy three internationals for mm. South Africa. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's time that we'll, uh, we'll we'll get you now to say thanks to the. The, the people watching and ask you what you think this score will be. Davey, I'll let you go with that first. Well, thank you people watching, first of all. Uh, I'll go for 2-0 on Sunday. 2-0 on Sunday. <laughs> I don't care who goes. Penalty to Rangers, first of all. Let's see. Three goes to the <laughs> Tavernier to take the penalty. Is Tavernier on the bench, Dave? Tavs, I mean, we're talking about stats. God, I mean, John, so he's, he's one of the top 100 players in the world because he can pass the ball. Did it mention, you know, shots on target, goals, assists, 
You know, there's a whole lot of st stats that you have to add on to his passing to actually get any idea what sort of player John Lundstrom is. But uh, in terms of, you know, stats, Tav is unbelievable. I mean, assists and goals from from a from a fullback. So, yeah, I think you can pretty much you can move from what is it you say that the from moving on. An unwarranted assumption to a preconceived conclusion with it, with with any set of statistics. So, yeah, two 0 on Sunday. Come on, the Rangers. Yeah, actually surprised me now that thinking back that nobody mentioned Roof in the in the team lineup. So it looks like he is sort of a dropped out, dropped out. You want to say something, uh, Scott? No, no I, I just I completely forgot all about him. To be honest with you. I think it's probably because he's not had much impact recently, right enough. But him and Daniel up front on Sunday. Him and Daniel. Saturday, sorry. Him and Daniel. Okay, there you go. Andrew, on you go. Give your prediction and uh, say cheerio. I'll start with the cheerio. Thanks, thanks everyone again. Um, great pod again tonight. I really enjoyed it. Jim Sloan, the Blue Bells of Blue, and Cammy K. You know, you know what you do. You, you do it often and often. We can't thank you enough for that. Um, superb, as always. The support's just that's what you expect from the Rangers loyal. Um, I'm going to go for a 3-1 to the Gels. Um, I don't know. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because there's only so much you could do with a group of duds in a week. Um, I say that I say that as uh, someone who, who's been as far away from Rangers Twitter as you could possibly be. I, I, was, I, I couldn't care less for the first <laughs> week and a half of that international break um, it, was, it was just, it was just draining um, to say the least so um, yeah I'm hoping that some, some goals will, will kind of uh, will get me buzzing as a Rangers fan again and then that one goal will, will then bring it back down to a realistic expectation of where we're going to be in the next month or two heading towards maybe January we'll see if we'll make any big changes then there you go Scott what's your uh Way to go. Well, firstly, Davey, question back to you about Lundstrom, right? He says he's a, a 91% pass rate or something. He's a top 100 90, player in the 90, world. 90.2 success. So that's 9% goals conceded then because he's given the ball away. <laughs> that's, no, well, these, these are successful <laughs> ones. I mean, it, mean, it means there's, there's it 9 points. It causes more chances <laughs> than what he does stop him. He's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm going to go for Ruth and Danilo up front. That's a partnership I've been shouting about all season. And we got it at St. Johnson, unfortunately. Danilo uh, had that bad injury. Um, I think with the two up front, maybe McCausland in the wing and hopefully Seema on the other side, we're going to have a bit, a bit more pace about the team, a bit more effort, a bit more application in pressing new manager. I think we're going to walk away really, really happy on Saturday. So I'm going to go 3-0. Okay. Um, the, the the one thing that I've been thinking about is see we, we had Gio and we had Beal and there were wee, sort of a scrumpy wee men on the sideline and I look at Clemon and I think oh, I wouldn't have liked walking into the dressing room and walking into his fist to be honest with you stature, he's definitely got stature he's definitely a stature on the sideline so I'm hoping that that will be the magic wand that he is hoping to Get it from from Harry Potter. Um, I, he actually took the three 0 out of my mouth. I, I think I'm going to go that we are going to have a good game. I know Hibs have got a bit of form recently. 
but uh, I, I think Rangers are, are due a good game and I am going to go for 3-0. And all I can say further is thank you for watching and good night. We are the people.